Welcome to the Calvary Lake Ozark Message Podcast. Wherever you are tuning in from today, we hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like more information about Calvary Lake Ozark, visit calvarylakeozark.com. Good morning. Hey, we are in Colossians, and so if you have your Bible with you, please turn to Colossians chapter 3, and the sermon I've titled is Christ Your All. And of course you have to say yes. We're at church. You can't sit here and say, no, he's not my all, you know, but if we were going to be real and honest and transparent with each other, there's times that we might not say it, but practically in our lives, is Christ our all? No. And I'm not saying that because I've seen how some of you live, even though I see you on Facebook. No, it's season. I'm saying that, saying that as just another follower of Jesus. And it doesn't mean anything just because I'm a pastor. But there's times in my life that I look and it's like, man, where is my heart? And the Lord says, far from me. Am I really your all? And so there's always that call to realign my heart, my life to Christ. And it needs realignment because of where I wander. And I love the old hymn, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Sometimes I, just, I can just feel not with the Lord, prone to leave the God I love. And I'm so prone to walk into what Paul's going to bring up is there's some sin issues. And this is what's going to cause us to wander away. This is what's going to cause us to be able to struggle through that question, is Christ my all? Because if it is, there's some surgery that we have to do. There's some things that we need to cut out of our lives. And so in Colossians 3, starting in verse 5, Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And that word therefore is, a, is there for a reason. Everything that we just studied last week in verses one to four, understanding our position and who we are in Christ. Therefore, put to death what is earthly in you. Another way to say it is what is earthly, your earthly members. Remember us talking about that from Romans six, our members meaning our physical body. So therefore, put to death what is earthly in you. And now he lists them. And no, you know, we always talk about like, oh yeah, we need to be killing sin so sin's not killing us. And, and sometimes we can use that word sin very ambiguous. But then when you start getting specific about it, that's when we get a little uneasy because that's when it gets personal. And then you hear one, it's like, yeah, that's me. That's the one that's causing me to wander and to stray. So he says, you need to put to death in you what is earthly, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetedness, which is idolatry. And on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these two, in these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. And how we'll be ending the sermon is, but is Christ your all. And so Paul starts at the very beginning. He says, put to death. 
And this is a different word than we had back in verse 3, for you have died, talks about separation. But here put to death, this word is necroo, which is where we get the word necrosis from, right? And so it gives us an understanding to cut off or to sever everything that energizes. This is what Paul is telling. This is what we need to do is cut off anything that's going to provide energy to what? Sexual immorality and impurity, and our passion, evil desire, and coveting, and idolatry, that we need to view it without life. Kind of the same way we go to a funeral, and we see a loved one, a family friend up there, and they're laying in that casket, and there is absolutely something distinctly different about them and about you, and it's very inherent very quickly. That's how we need to view our sin. That is dead and gone. And thank the Lord if they are followers of Jesus because we know where they are at even though this body is lifeless. And that's how we need to view sin in our life, completely lifeless, that we need to sever, we need to choke it out, sever everything that gives it life, to view it without life. And so he names a few of these, and I want to get real specific about them so we understand what Paul is talking about. He says, first, we need to put to death sexual immorality. This is the Greek word porneia, obviously where we get the word pornography from, any kind of sexual immorality. Uh, some of your scriptures might have the word fornication, but it would be any kind of sexual immorality, anything outside of the uh, sex outside of marriage. And then he has impurity, which is lustful, reckless, extravagant, wasteful, unclean living. That one hurts. Passion, where we have a consuming lust. So it talks about this inner struggle where you're almost, uh, going to get real, real honest here, where you're going to use everything that you see and hear for your lustful desires. You know, I had a, a professor one time tell me he was talking about sexual immorality and, and guarding our eyes. And he would say, gentlemen, which I think now it's everybody, you can't help the first look, right? You could just be walking through Walmart and you turn down the cereal aisle and you can't help what somebody else wants to wear to Walmart, especially if you go at three in the morning, right? Be like, good night, you need more clothes on. You can't help the first look. You just turned, your, your, your mind's on Cheerios, and then, hello, there it is, right? You can't help the first look. But he would say, you can't help the second, and the third, and the fourth. Because the moment that we are engaged with it, there's something in us that ignites. There's an energy that's being brought to this immorality. And Paul's saying, you need to put that to death. So, whoo, guard the eyes. But a lot of times, we just need one more little look. Just one more little look. Or we might walk down another aisle and be like, you know what? I forgot that other cereal. No, you really didn't want that other cereal. You wanted one more glimpse. And so this idea of this consuming lust that we're using everything for our lustful desires around us. And then evil desire, this inner malice that comes from, a, uh, comes from out of a morally rotten character. Man, doesn't that just sound horrible? Covetousness wanting more than what God sees fit. And then he talks about idolatry, which is worship, or another way that it's defined is service. Service of an image or an idol. 
So when we talk about worshiping the Lord, we serve the Lord. And if we serve anything else, that is worship. And so those words can almost be used synonymously of serving and worship. And so Paul is saying, put these to death. Don't try to suppress it. Don't try to just maintain it or control it. Keep it on the back burner. No, no, no. you need to put this to, get, to death. It's not simply trying to control or suppress evil acts or attitudes, but we are to wipe them out, completely exterminate the old way of life about us. And why? Because Christ is better. It is all in view of one through four, if you have been raised with Christ through faith, that we are seeking the things that are above where Christ is, where we've set our minds, that we're, we're with him about it. And our life is hidden because we have died. Our life is hidden with Christ. Christ is our life. Why are we putting these things to death? Because we found something greater than whatever sexual immorality could bring us. We found something greater than what impurity or passion or evil desire, malice, coveting, and idolatry could bring us. We found something better. It's kind of like in and out You ever been in and out California? Cheeseburgers? Some of you are like, yes, praise the Lord, <laughs> right? It's like the, you know how Chick-fil-A is God's blessed chicken? Yeah, amen. See, okay, now, now we're connecting. Okay, now we're, see, you got to connect with your audience. And then in and out is God's blessed cheeseburger. <laughs> and amen. See, even the missionaries get this. And you saw what they eat, right? Come on. <laughs> the moment that you have an in and out burger, everything else is less than. <laughs> now, you, it, it, every time you order one, it'll always be in comparison. Why? Because you found something better. And so why are we putting these things to death? Because simply we found something better. Not because we need to be a moral lifestyle. Not because this is how good Christians act. Because my life is hidden with Christ. And I have found a treasure that is worth far more than what any of these things could ever bring me. The problem is when I lose focus of Christ. See, the battle against sin a lot of times, and I struggled with this uh, a lot in my life, is that I would focus too much on the sin when I was trying to fight it. It's kind of like, hey, don't think about a yellow elephant. Everybody's thinking about a yellow elephant right now, right? And that's what happens when we think about our sin. Oh, I wish I wasn't that way. I wish I didn't struggle with these things and we focus so much on that. The problem is our attention is on the wrong thing. How do we fight and combat all these sins that are, that are plaguing our life that Paul is saying that we need to put to death? Keep your eyes focused on him. As a youth pastor, I had students, male, female, open up and talk about their struggles with pornography, sexual immorality, some of these very sensual type sins. And I would ask them, you know, when, when are these temptations at their greatest that you fall to? And they say, well, that's easy. When I'm alone in my bedroom and the door's closed and I have a device and I can access whatever I want. I said, that's not when temptation's the strongest. That's when it's the easiest because you have no accountability. You have nothing. You know, do you, do you have those same uh, desires to want to look at whatever you're looking at on your phone when grandma comes over and you're all sitting around the dinner table? Probably not. 
half, if not three-fourths of the issue is you just need to charge your phone and not allow any device in your bedroom. And so there's certain things that when we talk about, we need to put these to death that we need to uh, sever. Some of it's very practical. Very, very practical in our attack against sin. But we can never put enough guardrails on our life to get rid of the sinful desire within us. That's only secondary, but primary should always be our focus on the Lord. And so every time in my life, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. The more into sin I feel like I was walking, the less into the word I was. The more into sin I was in, the less into worship I was. The more into sin, the less serving I was. And here's the thing. We're not talking about those outside of the church. Paul's talking to who? Inside. He's talking to us that we need to put this to death. Why? Because of our faith in Jesus. And I love verse 7. Because you might be reading this list, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, coveting, idolatry, like who in the world is going to this church? Like who is this describing? I'm going to be honest with you. Your pastor. This is a part of my past. This marks a part of my past. The question, is it marking my present and future walk with Jesus? That's the issue. Or we might see this, because I love verse 7. He says, in these you too once walked. This is a part of your story. This is a part of my story. But now you must put them all away that this absolutely describes my past life. But that past life, Paul would say, is dead and gone. Quit allowing it. Quit giving it energy. Quit giving it life. Quit giving it opportunity to come back up. You know, the, it's an old Cherokee. Well, it's at least attributed to a Cherokee uh, uh, kind of parable, per se. They would talk about that there's two wolves inside of you. One of... Uh, evil and darkness and one of light and hope and which one is going to win because they're constantly fighting. Well, which one's going to win between the two? Whichever you feed. Whichever one you feed. And that's where don't keep your eyes on the sin that you need to walk away from. Keep your eyes on Christ who you need to walk towards. Because Feed that. Feed your relationship with Jesus, where if we just try to put guardrails and there's, there is not enough accountability software on something like this to flee from sexual immorality. That's a hard issue. Now, there is accountability software, and that's wonderful. If you want to know about one, let me know. I have one on every device that I use, and there's a board member and two other pastors outside of Calvary that get every little notification of anything that I would search for they would absolutely call for my job if I'm stepping outside of the lines of what is needed and what is required as a pastor. And that wasn't put on me. I wanted this. Why? Because Christ is worth it. My church is worth it. And so these things are things that we walked in. If you had turned to 1 Corinthians 6, 
One of the things I get asked a lot, especially with the hot button topics of our world around us is, you know, uh, pastor, what's your view on homosexuality? And I would just say, same as pretty much all the other sexual sins that happen. And I love this. And so very officially, um, I want to give my stance on any of these sexual sin issues, specifically homosexuality, fornication, adultery, any of that. I love what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 9. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. That's key. Why is he saying that? Because there are people that are deceived, and it's still happening today. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That is the word of God. And we will not bend and break from it. We will absolutely hold that. But hold it in context. And such were some of you. That that absolutely could have been our past and things that we struggled with. And such were some of you. But listen to the gospel. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what do we do when we see somebody inside the church, outside of the church, oh, in the immense sexual sin that they're dealing with? They just need the gospel. They need to be washed. They need to be cleansed. They may be sanctified, justified. They need Jesus. And so always hold both of these together because I think sometimes the church, broad brush, will hold very much to the morality and very little to the grace. We'll hold very, very fast to the truth, but we won't give the grace of Jesus. That there are absolute lines of what is considered sin And how our culture does not care anything about those. And we cannot allow our culture to determine what's right or wrong. We allow the word of God to determine what is right or wrong. But in the context of that, perfectly holding to the word of God, we need to hold grace. That the power of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, the grace, the mercy, what he has completed on the cross is greater than any of our sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetedness, idolatry, that if you are struggling with that, understand what Paul is saying. Because you've been raised with Christ through faith, because you are seeking the things that are above, setting your minds on the things that are above, because you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God, that Jesus, who is your life, there is power that you have from the Holy Spirit to absolutely put these to death that you no longer have to live in those old ways because you are a new creation. You're not just washed up, put some clean clothes on. No, no, you are absolutely new. And it's weird, me and my wife, me and Ashley, we will talk about our BC days sometimes. Not the specifics, because why do we want to get that specific about it anymore? That's, but our view, it's almost like they are separate people. Like, almost like, man, wonder what Nick's up to because, man, the Lord really needs to grab a hold of his heart because he is dirty, rotten, and sinful. Then I have to remember, oh, yeah, that was me, <laughs> and he did. But that's how we need to view our old self. 
that because of my faith in Christ, he is dead and gone. Let go of it. And so always hear the grace that Paul brings because, hey, he understands that there's people in the Colossian church. This, is, this was a part of your story, but keep putting it away. Keep severing it. Keep cutting it off. Why? Because Christ is worth it. And you're probably looking at that list and be like, well, I'm a, I'm a good Christian boy. I'm a good Christian girl. I don't deal with all of that. Well, I'm, I don't know about all the other perverts that I go to church with, but I don't deal with that kind of stuff. And Paul says, okay, let's keep talking. He says, but now, yeah, I said pervert. Don't worry. It's okay. But now you must put them all away. Put it all away. Your anger, your wrath, your malice, your slander, your obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. And so you might be looking at that first list up there in verse 5 and think, well, I don't have that much of a struggle. Okay, let's look at verse 8. Paul would say just as much as you need to cut off and sever and put to death sexual immorality, you need to do the same thing with your anger. You need to do the same thing with your rage and your wrath. You need to do the same thing with your malice. Don't stop you know, a lot of times we, we, uh, we stop short. We'll do the big sins. We got to get rid of the big sins out of our life, right? Get, a, get rid of that sexual morality, stuff like that. You know, you know, make her an honest woman. And we have little sayings like that because we want to deal with big sins in our life. And then, but don't stop because what will happen is that we stop at the respectable sins. Oh, I mean, how, how do you expect somebody not to deal with their anger? I mean, there, there's things that are going to make them angry. I mean, do, do, pastor, you really believe that a person should be dealing with their anger just like a sexually immoral person is dealing with their sin? Don't hear me. Hear the word of God. Yes, put it away. And so don't stop short in dealing with big sins. Jesus didn't die just for big sins. He died for all sin. He died for all sin. And so these sensual sins, these social sins sadly, or become socially acceptable sins. No, it's good. It's, it's scripture right there. We needed to hear it again. It said, <laughs> set your minds on the things that are above. That's verse two. Very good. Don't, don't be sorry for the word of God. Imagine if it had been something else. <laughs> like, oh man. No. <laughs> <laughs> your sin will find you out right in the middle of church. Right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love you, Cindy. I'm so like you're picking on that older lady. No. Where were we? So yes, we need to deal with sensual sins, our social sins, but even our socially accepted sins. Those that we tolerate inside the church. Which I think sometimes are the most deadly. Why? Because we're real quick to point out the big sins in each other and even in our own lives. But when we grow numb to seeing the smaller sins, when we don't, no, I'm good enough. I, there's no more sanctifying work that needs to happen in my life. That shows that there's some sanctifying work that needs to happen in your life. That the more that we see the grace and the mercy and the love and the truth of Jesus working in our life, it grows in us a greater need for the grace, the mercy, the love, and the truth of Jesus to work in our life. That the more I know about God through all of my degrees and studying shows me how much I don't know about God. 
And when I see how far God has brought me from the depths of my sin, it shows me how much further I really need to go. Because again, as long as we have a pulse, he's not done with us, that he's still working. So if you're a teenager, if you're a little bit older, he's not done with us. Why? Because this is still in our lives where he talks about the anger, which is wrath and vengeance, and wrath is rage and malice, having this wicked disposition for misfortune in others that you just like to want to see the world burn. Paul says, put that to death. Slander, which is blasphemy and abusive language, obscene talk, filthy, foul language, some of that coarse jesting, you know, a little water cooler where we want to make everybody laugh. And if somebody else has an uh, inappropriate but good joke, we got to have a, we got to top it, you know, and we're just sitting here trying to outdo one another, but not outdo each other in love, as Scripture says. No, we're trying to outdo each other in obscene talk. Man, that sounds specific, Nick. Yeah, I've been there, but we need to put it to death. And lying, to speak falsely and willfully misrepresent one misrepresent ourselves to others. We need to put all of this to weigh. All of this needs to be put to death. When we went to the conference a couple weeks ago up to uh, St. Joe in my hometown, there's pastor's conference there. And one of the pastors said, this is the quote, the word of God reveals to us the temperature of the world we've grown accustomed to. And so even in our staff planning week, this last week we were talking and I brought up how uh, the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, right? Thermometer gauges the temperature of the room, but a thermostat sets it. And you're probably thinking, yeah, and you could hit that button a couple more times right now, Nick, right? I said, we as staff, as pastors, as leaders, we don't just gauge the temperature of the church. We set it. We lead in that. We lead in holiness and purity. We set the pace of what the Lord wants to do in and through Calvary. The concern, what is going to happen, though, in the church is that the evil one loves to go over to the thermostat and just hit it one time. Just one time. He's not going to go over there and just... Because we're going to know real quick, hey, something's up. Because it's getting really hot in here, or it's getting really cold in here. There's a drastic change. Now, he, he's way more cunning, is what the Scripture says. He'll just walk over one time and try to get you to just lightly get comfortable. You probably won't even notice a change. Just things in the culture that we're getting used to. Yeah, I know it's not the best movie, but, you know, it's not bad. I know that music has a couple, uh, but it's, you know, oh, it's, it's not really pornography, but is it, you know, and we try to just one, one little temperature up. And this pastor used the analogy of frogs. You ever heard this? Uh, a frog, you put a frog in a pot of water. Don't try this at home. Put a frog in a pot of water, put it on the stove, but put it real, real low and just slowly bring up the temperature of that water. And by the time the frog knows that this is dangerous, it's too late because the water has made his muscles unable to jump out. And this is what the evil one's doing, just raising the temperature of our spiritual life, not in a positive way, getting us accustomed to it. And by the time we know we're already too far deep into sin to where we might have torpedoed our life and caused some real pain and hurt. 
And that is why we need the Word of God where it is just like that. Remember that ice bucket challenge, that ALS ice bucket challenge? Yeah, that's the Word of God in our lives. That's why we continually come back to the Word because wherever I've grown accustomed to what is normal in the world but would not be normal as a Christian, I need the Word of God to wake me up and to understand what I've grown accustomed to and say, no, 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 but that's not for you. Why? Because Jesus is saying, you're a follower of me, that you've been raised with me through faith, that your life is hidden with me. There's things that you've put to death, but you're getting accustomed back to them. You're giving it some energy. You're letting it come back to life. And so he's saying you need to put off of that old and put on the new. And this refers to a once-for-all action that I pray that all of us in here have had that moment where we've put off of the old and put on new. Think of like the grave clothes of Jesus. Yeah, he left those in the tomb and he walked a new life. And so when he's called us out of the grave, yeah, we need to leave those grave clothes in the tomb because we are dressed, we are clothed in his righteousness. But some of us as followers of Jesus kind of like Linus, you know, Charlie Brown with that little blankie. There's that one little bit of grave clothes that we really don't want to let go of because it brings me comfort, gives me purpose and identity. Can't say that outwardly though, but I can't really let go of this. And we try to drag that grave clothes out of the grave and carry it with us in new life. And Jesus is saying, put it off and put on the new. And so living for earthly desires, it brings death. And if we're putting to death our earthly desires... That's what brings life for us. And so it's clear that we need to understand our desires, they lead to deeds. Our appetites lead to actions. And so we need to pure, so in order to purify our actions, we must first purify our minds and our hearts. And Paul would say it this way. So you're putting on the old self with its practice, or put off the old self with its practices, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so this isn't past tense, this is a continual tense, that this is always happening, that we're always being renewed because we need this right thinking. And if we have right thinking, what should flow out of it is right living. Because I know who I am in Christ, I'm gonna put this to death. Because I know who I am in Christ, this is what I want my life to be about. This is the manner of life that I will follow. The error sometimes that happens in the church is when somebody comes to faith or maybe not even to faith yet, but they're just checking it out and seeing what church is like, we try to get the morality first without the salvation. And we get it backwards. That the greatest thing that we could first do to somebody that is apart from the Lord is to bring them near. The prodigal son and the father embraced before he gave him a new robe, a ring, and some sandals. It was after that they were united that he was clothed. And we need to have the same approach where we have to, so what that's saying is we have to be okay with people that live in a completely different moral value system than us, where when we talk about these uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, we talk about sexual immorality, impurity, passion, desires, not that we're okay with it. That's just not the first work that God wants to do in them because that's not the first work God wanted to do in you or me. He wanted to save us first. 
that salvation was always key. And then because of my sonship, now let's talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus with your life. And so this renewed in the knowledge that we are all continually growing, that there's no plateaus in this. Either we're, we're walking after Christ, we're being drawn closer to him, or we're being pulled away. There's no buoys just hanging out, just bobbing, just like, hey, it's kind of cool. I like where I'm at. It's a good little space, good vibes. No, always being drawn closer to the Lord. So as we grow in the knowledge of the word of God, we'll be transformed by the spirit of God to share in the image of God. That was our original creation. And sin marred that. But Christ is transforming us back into it. I mean, think of the, that's why all of these sins that, and every one of them takes two to tango. You can't lie if there's not another person to lie to. You can't, you know, have malice if there's not another person to have malice or sexual immorality or coveting. There's always another person in there. And why is that such a sin that Paul wants to talk about? Because you're marring the image of God in other people. And God takes his image serious. And if you want to mar the image, if you want to smear and diminish the image of God in other people, he takes that serious. That is one of the reasons why nah, we're called to love one another. We're called to be kind. We're called to encourage and build up. That when we do some of these sins, especially within what comes out of our mouth, that is tearing down and destroying the very image of God that is intrinsically upon them. And so we continually grow, continually be renewed in the process of sanctification so that we arrive at, there, there's no Jew or Greek, there's no circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, free, slave. All those, all those distinctions are gone in the church. The only thing that matters is Christ is all and in all. All those worldly distinctions done away with. Now it is only Jesus. And you remember what he said, I came, and he's going to set families against families. Fathers against sons, mothers against daughters, sons against mother-in-laws. Amen. <laughs> That's minor coming down, I think already here. The distinction, the thing that matters is Christ. Christ and Christ alone. And so is he your all? And that's a hard question because we are all in a battle against sin. That even though we are saved, we are being sanctified, we are growing in our process of who we are to be in Christ, there's still this old man. But I love how Paul talks about it in the past tense because I think he's banking and his motivation is the power of God in our life. And so if any of these you would say, you know what, pastor, that's, that's me right there. That's what I'm struggling with, a couple of those. Like a couple of those things that Paul mentions, yeah, that's, that's what's on my desk right now. Understand the power that is before you, that is within you, and the Holy Spirit, that you have everything available to you to put that to death and to walk and to live. And this is, this is the freedom that we have in Christ, that we don't have to live enslaved to our sin, but because of the blood of Jesus, the spirit of God inside of us, we get to live 
free. Free from what? Free from sin. And so grace doesn't give us a license to sin. Read Romans 6 about that. Paul would say, may it never be. And so holiness, purity absolutely matters to God still, even today for us. Even as a married man, purity still matters to God. But he has given us power to walk with him. And then what happens those moments that we do fail? Well, yeah, because we've all fall short of the glory of God. That's a continual thing. That does happen. And so, yes, we pursue Christ in purity and righteousness and holiness. Well, what happens when we fall? We fall at his feet for grace and mercy. And if we are, what's First John say? If we are, somebody's going to quote it before I get there. I know it. I feel it. I always want to try to read it right so I don't quote it horribly. If we confess our sins, that word confess means to say the same thing about our sin that God would. He, God, is faithful. That our God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so whatever that is, whatever God is stirring and moving in your heart and your mind, I'm just going to ask you, is God faithful? And will you surrender it to him? Will you allow him to cleanse you from all unrighteousness? Let's pray. Father, beyond our understanding, even in what we do know, for some reason, you have such a deep love for us. And that you have poured out your grace and your mercy to us through the cross and the resurrection, through the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Christ. That he is our faithful high priest. That out of who you are, out of your character, your essence, your being, you are faithful to us. And so I pray, Lord, that we as the church, as followers of Jesus, gathered together this morning, each of us being raised with you, that our life is hidden with you, that we would continually seek and set our minds on the things that are above. Lord, I pray that we would do work today on the things that we need to put to death, the things of the old man that we need to set aside and continually be clothed in your righteousness. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that needs to do business with you, this is a beautiful morning to be made right with you, Lord, to realign our hearts and our minds to the grace, mercy, love, and the truth of who you are. So we ask for your spirit to be poured out Fill us afresh, kindle again this gift that we have in you and lead us, guide us, Lord. That we are just prodigal sons and daughters running after our Father. And so while we're on this journey of faith, I pray, Lord, that we would continually look for opportunities to invite others a part of this journey. 
of letting go of the old and taking on the new and being transformed by your blood in this new covenant that you have completed for us. And I pray that we would never become numb to it, Lord. That we have never arrived, that if we still have a pulse, that you are still working and moving in our lives. And so, Lord, we surrender our life to you. And we ask that you would work like a skilled surgeon and cut out the sin, the cancer, the old that needs to be done away with, Lord, and renew us in your presence and in your peace in our lives. Give us that kind of faith. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? So if you need prayer, if there's anything that you would like to talk with, pray about, we have a prayer team. Come see me. would love to talk with you. Other than that, go love God, love others, impact the world. Thank you guys. See you next week.